Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel. Here it is. This is it. I went to the dentist. You went to the dentist? I thought your wife went to the dentist. She did, too. We both did. Oh. And I have problems. Oh, no. <laughs> like, all the listeners, the front three teeth of mine are all fake. <laughs> teeth of mine? <laughs> Not your front, fr- front three teeth. No. The front three teeth of mine. They're all fake because I had a longboarding accident yes, where did. I hit the, hit the ground with my face before my hands that's so, not a it's, that's the wrong order that's the wrong order and so like they're all fake and so apparently like the way that it was structured like it means i can't like floss in certain spaces i don't floss anyway so you know <laughs> it doesn't matter even if i did floss it would have fixed the problem but essentially i have a cavity on the root of my tooth oh. in the gums no so it's like you have to like i was like is that expensive to fix and she just looked at me oh had these big eyes and just shook her head oh yes. just shook her head yes <laughs> oh that's terrible so Oh. My teeth are now unclean. <laughs> you are, which is a perfect segue <laughs> into today's section on cleanliness and uncleanliness. Clean and unclean things. Yeah, that's right. Bodies, animals, people, right. houses. Because yeah, if you'll remember at the end of the last section, chapter ten, um, you know, God said to um, Aaron, Aaron that, is declaring right a type of worship clean or unclean right. based on whether you're grieving or not. Right. And Aaron, as the high priest, is able to call things clean and unclean. He does it for the first time, and this whole section begins with a whole bunch of laws about what's clean and what's unclean. That's right. So it makes sense in the kind of textual flow of the, the, the passage. Uh, and the outline's pretty simple. So we kind of have like, just here's different things that can be clean and unclean. You have foods in chapter 11, right? Animals, what to eat, what not to eat. You've got in in, in chapter 12, like childbirth, right? Yes. Uh, in 13 and 14, you have like skin and fungal diseases. Fungal. fungal. I, I forget about the word fungal. Fungal. It's a fun <laughs> word. I don't know. Uh, and then 15. You've been hanging out in the dark? Uh, I have. It's, you have? <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a fun thing. Are you a fun guy? I'm a fun guy. When you're in the dark. Anyway, and then <laughs> chapter 15, uh, the last section is bodily discharges, Ooh. which Yum. is a gross combination of words, <laughs> bodily, bodily dis- discharges. Um, but anyway, um, so this is already going to be a culturally difficult uh, setting, like, like like piece of text to resonate with as 21st century people. Right. We don't really have concepts of cleanliness or uncleanliness unclean- outside of like germs. Right. Yes. So it's it's like, always like, it's always medical for us. So right. If something's unclean, it's because it's germy. Yeah. And even if it's not, like, I'm thinking, like, I kind of maybe had, I probably had OCD as a child. Okay. It's more than likely I did. No, never diagnosed. I'm diagnosing myself now. Okay, but I would, yeah. like, wash my hands constantly after just touching random things because I was just afraid of the possibility of germs. Oh, I see. So I think there's a lot of people who have a fear or phobia of things being clean and unclean and have a desire to purify themselves or clean themselves, even if it's not necessarily sure. harmful. But that's right. not what we're talking no, about. No, we're talking about ritual purity. So, like, are you clean is the question that has to be asked because only clean things can Living come God's in, presence. Yeah, can come and interact with holiness. So, there's, we, we need to realize. So remember, remember, too, because I think we, I want to keep reminding our listeners and myself is that it's not that like we're trying to earn our way into God's presence right. by cleaning ourselves up. God's presence already resides in That's Israel. Right. And if you want to continue to live in God's presence, if you want to remain close to life, light, and purity, here's what needs to be accomplished. And the same is true of the entire world today. We live in God's presence. And if we want to continue to live in his presence to eternity, here's what it looks like. Um, with certain commands, certain beliefs, right, et cetera. Yeah. So, yes, that's a good that's a good note, I think. And, and so, what we need to realize as we as, and remember as we are reading Leviticus is there are these two sets of um, dichotomies, kind of these two sets of two. Okay. Okay. So there's clean and unclean, right, right, right. right. And then there's holy and common. Okay. So those are two words that are going to or four words and two sets yeah. that are going to pop up over and over and over again. And so, um, holy and common 
is talking about something that's wholly set apart for God. It is God's presence. It's the artifacts in the temple. It's um the it's it's blood that's dedicated to God. It's it all these. Priest. It could be a priest right, who's yeah. holy after going through certain rituals. And so holy so things are God's and separate, things. Separate apart for God's yes, use. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then common things aren't necessarily evil. They're just not holy. Right. It just means like they're like a normal thing out in the world. Yeah, this is not a true version of this, but yeah. like a lot of people think of the church building like when you're inside it oh, as, as a holy, holy place. As a holy place, right. but the building, the shopping center next door to it is unholy. Is, is, unho- is, is common. It's common. common. We're right. not saying unholy, we're saying common, common is what the word is the word Leviticus uses. And I actually had a really uh, interesting experience with this when I was in Kenya. Oh, okay. Um, we were um, meeting with a, some, a bunch of Kenyans out there, and we were talking, and they were talking about this church. They were asking me a question. So they said, we know this church in town that meets in this building, um, and that it is a nightclub at night, but it rents it out during the on Sunday mornings when nobody uses it to be a church. Whoa. What do you think about this? I was like, oh, well, that's fine. Yeah. That's totally, f- I mean. Super cool, actually. That's, that's really kind of cool. I was, yeah. like, I was like, I think that's good because they're like, you know, they're, in the city doing all this stuff and they said oh no no that's terrible oh i was like what he's like that place is unholy oh that place and they had this really strong category for this place is polluted right and ugly yeah. and it cannot be redeemed and you should not be putting mm. sacred and holy things in it and so somebody had to, to inform me later like there's we have like time space time space things like something that has an unholy timestamp from minute marker five to minute marker seven where you scrub it because you shouldn't be watching that as a Christian. Oh, right, right, right. You skip over the the sex scene. Yeah, or in uh, like a place is being used for as a nightclub, like, well, at midnight or 3 a.m., it closes and it's not used for illicit things anymore and we can use it as a church and it's fine. God redeems those things. For them, there's this sense of like a holy space Space. that doesn't transfer without being cleansed or purified in some way. And so that that helped me understand the book of Leviticus actually a lot better because like, oh, there's a concept of a holy space that can't interact with unholy things. Right. Anyway. No, that's really good. And so that's the difference between holy and common. And what we have to realize between clean and unclean is it doesn't mean necessarily good and evil. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking, and we're not talking about like, like sinful and sinless. It's it, it's not even necessarily always a sin thing that's happening. It's just some you can you can become unclean just through the normal activity of life. And is unclean equal holy? No, 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 no. Okay. So something just because something is clean does not mean it's holy. But something that is holy is always clean. And so what that means is is that we you need have a Venn be, diagram. I know you really do. Uh, and so really, all all it means is that something unclean can never be holy. And something that's holy must be clean. So if you want to interact with the holy, you must first be clean. So does that mean that you're more concerned with what's common and what's unclean, not as a way to say, oh, these people are Are bad bad and should be separated? Although in the case of leprosy, that's a little bit different. That's more like like medical quarantine. quarantine. But like, so it's more about like, if you want to interact with God's closely in God's presence, you need to be clean. In order to enter into holiness. Yes. And so that, and that's what this is all about. Okay. We cannot forget this or we will get lost in the weeds. Uh, it will become uninteresting. And then we will end up drawing incorrect conclusions about what Leviticus and the holy laws are about. Because the whole thing about being clean is so that we can be with God. It's the whole reason we want to be clean. So and, why does yeah. God care about Because what we're about to read is what seems like a list of arbitrary laws. Don't eat this. Don't right. eat that. Yep. This skin condition, that skin condition, whether or not you had kids in the last month or so, like it seems fairly arbitrary. God doesn't need to make these laws. And in yep. fact, after Jesus, he has none of these laws <laughs> to, in right. order that we come into his holiness. So why does God care about cleanliness mm-hmm. at all, yeah. interact or uncleanliness as it relates to right. coming into his temple? Surely it shouldn't just be, it's like just sin. If you're sinning, if you're evil, if you're right. doing wrong things, you can't come in. Yeah. Why is cleanliness, uncleanliness the thing? It's a huge question. Um, I mean, the first answer that pops in my head is the answer that I would say is right before this section, when God talks about how he will be sanctified among his people 
and then among all people he will be glorified, which we talked about in the last episode, yeah. is that God is showing himself as fundamentally different by showing that his people are fundamentally different, that they are set apart, they are different, they, they are doing different things, they look different, they act different, they eat differently, they treat uh, disease differently, uh, they treat you know just normal things like birth differently. It's to set them apart in order to show that this God, Yahweh, is different from the Canaanite gods or the Midianite right. gods or whomever. And he says this after all of the food laws, too. In verse 44 of chapter 11, he says, I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourself, make yourselves unique, make yes. yourselves holy, because uh, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. That's it. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing, but for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Because I have rescued you, I want you to be unique like I'm unique. Right. I was uniquely, I uniquely saved you, Yes. so uniquely respond to me. And it's not so much, it's like one, he, he's already saved them, so all these purity laws are not to buy some sort of salvation from God. Mm-hmm. It's a response to that salvation and saying, I want you to look like me in some way. I want you to right. be holy and unique. And all these food laws and all these different things, it's not so much about the food necessarily. It's about you looking different from the surrounding world because I am a different type of God from any of the competing gods out there. Right, and so that's that's one big part of it. But then why these types of laws that we're going to get into kind of answers the second part of that question that you're asking of why cleanliness, why is it important? And I think that has to do with um, what what do these... What do these laws tell us about God and about his people and about uh, humanity and how humanity is different from divinity? Um, I think that's just really important. So like a lot of a lot of the the laws have to do at least tangentially with like life and death. Right. And, right, and, right. and that's a really important theme here in that we have to remember that I mean we're still in the Torah. And so if you've been reading this through as a narrative, as one should, you you have the curse uh, ringing in your ears from Genesis 3, and that death entered the world through Adam. And so all men and all women, all humanity, the whole earth, in fact, including, you know, vegetation and animal life is under this curse of death. Everything has a timestamp on it now. Everything's going to end and expire. And so death is winning. Things are dying. And so, but God is a God of life and he's eternal and he doesn't die. And so he's saying that there's these things like the discharges of blood, right, right, right. is is like like blood coming out of your body or emissions of fluids are usually think when when fluids leave your right. body, it's usually a bad thing. Right. It's like you're dying. Yeah. You know, uh, whenever you eat an animal, it has to die in order for you to live. Whenever right. there's a birth, there's new life, kind of like conquering the conquering death for a second, but you're still discharging blood. So there's that tension of life and death. Yeah. All this is happening, right? And it's and sh- what was right. used to create life, the the womb, the placenta. That's, that's right. also dying and starts yes. to decay almost as soon as it comes out. Exactly. Like it's all mixed. And together. so God is trying to show us something about um, the death that is in our world. And he's trying to show us that we are still under a curse. Like the whole world, just by living in it, we become unclean because we are all under a curse. And so that's why a lot of the things we'll see here aren't necessarily sinful things that God is telling us not to do. It's just the normal course of being a human. And through the normal course of being a human, we are not worthy to enter into God's presence. And so that's all he's trying to show us is that you, as you are, cannot come into my presence because you're all under a curse of death. So the purpose of the moral purity laws is to show us that things like the food we eat, the way we have children, the way our homes are structured, the diseases that we have in our body, all of these things are stained by sin and death. And that happens in the natural flow of life. And God is saying, one way to be unique and to be holy is to, or man, like, because death automatically, in my mind, I automatically think of sin. Right. But like, in the sense of it's a curse of sin, it's a byproduct of sin, but not necessarily sin itself. We have to understand sin as two different things. There is sin that we commit, and then there is sin as a dominion or a power. Right. The fact that my body is decaying right now. Is is the result of the dominion of sin and death in the world. Right. Not necessarily. The fact that I have a cavity in my root. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Because I sinned and caused it to come there. Yes, you just live in a fallen world, right? And you do fallen things, but those are two different things. And if we try to push them together, we're going to end up, especially when we talk about things like leprosy, we're going to end up really confused. And so we have to make sure we understand that there is the dominion of sin, 
and death that's over this world, causing things to decay, causing things to go down. And God is entering this world saying, come into cleanliness, come into life. But then there are active things that we do, yeah. which will need sin offerings and things like that. And we'll talk about how all but those But for overlap. now then, so what we're really dealing with is like, okay, this is the dominion of sin, the kingdom of sin, just the fallen effects because we exist in a world that's broken. Right. How do we, as people who are always tending towards entropy and chaos mm-hmm. and brokenness, come into God's presence? Yep. How do we remain in God's presence? And that's the question that these purity laws are going to try to answer. And so uh, let's look at them one section at a time. All right. So uh, now let's talk about the clean and unclean animals, things you can eat and can't eat. So you can't eat a tawny owl. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite owl. <laughs> Too bad. Off the menu. No tawny owls for you. Um, and so this uh, this section is is strange for a lot of people. It's also probably one of the most famous laws. You know, it's like right. Jews can't eat pigs. Like yeah. everyone knows that because bacon yeah. is because bacon is too good and it must be sinful. <laughs> no. Uh, and so, like, just as an overview here, let, let me just kind of like like go through. The, the major groupings, right? Well, yeah, the really easy one. It's like you have the land animals, you have uh-huh. the sea animals, right. and you have the uh, the other ones. The insects. The insects. <laughs> yeah, the other ones. The air animals. The air oh, the birds. The yeah. birds and right. the insects. And, the- mm-hmm. and so you should automatically think back to creation. creation. We're yep. trying to get back to the Garden of Eden. It's the same uh, categories that you have in the Garden of Eden. Things that right. like creep on the ground, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the animals that walk in the That's land. That's right. How do I have proper relationship with the world around me. In Eden, everything was properly ordered and man and animals lived in harmony correctly with God. We didn't need to be concerned about cleanliness That's then right. because we were in God's we world. There. But now that it's broken, how do I interact with each part of God's created order knowing that eventually it will decay and cause death around me? Right. And so um, now that eating animals is part of our existence, right. um, there's rules that God puts in place. And so like, uh, so first, you can uh, cloven-hoofed, cud-chewing land animals may be eaten. Yes. Okay, but other mammals, my favorite kinds. The other animals, like ones that would like, cl- like part the hoof but not right. chew the cud. It has to be cloven-hoofed and, and chew the, the cud. cud. <laughs> so chewing the cud just means like chews grass. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then um, two. Uh, so fish. Fish that have fins and scales can be eaten. They have both. They fins? have to have both fins and scales. Okay. Uh, third is for the birds. We're not given the like reasons not, or categories. We're not. He's just like you can't have this one, this one, this one, and and most most commentators think that these are birds of prey. Yeah, and, so, and I mean even your, like your carrion vultures, that's right. ravens, all ostrich. I don't know what an ostrich eats. I don't either. But anyway, most likely you heard an ostrich make a noise. No, don't do oh it. My I'm so gosh. <laughs> Everybody, stop the podcast and go to YouTube <laughs> and look up the word ostrich, no, like ostrich whale. Oh, no. In the Psalms, David will say he cries like an ostrich. Oh. And you're, you're like, like what, what does that sound like? I was like, like what does that sound like? So I Googled it. Oh, no. It is bizarre. That's it's weird. like this. Okay. Don't do it. It's I'm like, so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this crazy noise. <laughs> Eddie, you have to use your whole body to make it. As a I human. wish everyone could see your face, but I'm the only other person in here. And this like four, foot, this three foot neck just balloons oh out like gosh. a like a water balloon. It's crazy, but it's like that deep guttural moaning sound that you make when you're in grief. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, well, fantastic. Don't eat that bird. Uh, but a lot the of people say bird. That, the grief bird because they're they're associated with death a lot of them. So like whether it's carrion or whether they're birds of prey. Again, this is like a life death thing probably. Anyway, then there's insects. Probably. I don't know. We don't know because we're not given a reason, so we have to speculate. And um, again, at the end of the day, you don't necessarily need more of a reason than the no. one the text gives you. No, and that's the whole point we're going to get to. As I want to, I want to keep piling yeah, on. Keep going. Keep and going. so it's like then there's like insects, and you can eat the hopping insects, but not the flying ones, right? And then there's uh, swarming animals that you can't eat. And then there's um, any any animal that dies. Lizards, no lizards. No lizards. Then any animal that just dies out in the wild, no matter what it is, you can't eat because it's just dead. And that's messed up, apparently. And so a lot of proposals are out there for w- like how God made these like these up and what significance they, they have and everything like that. Um, so I'll give you the ones I don't agree with, and then we can talk about yeah. what we think. The most common... yeah is uh, I've heard over and over and over again is that God was preventing them from 
disease or harmful diets yeah. and things and like that. Sometimes it looks like that when it's like a carcass of an animal falls into a whole pile of wet grain. <laughs> like that makes sense to me that there's some like right. health things there. Like yes. God's concerned about that clearly with the leprosy laws in a second. But like that's not the primary thing that's not happening. Not at all. Not at all. Um, it, it's just because like there was just there's just not it's just not true. It's like there's right. too many other there's like he should have he should have done a lot of other things if he was concerned with health. And so that that's the that's the most often one. Other things are like allegorization. So it's like if you think about why why can't you eat pigs? Well, it's because they wallow in their own filth. And oh. you shouldn't wallow in your own filth like okay. like a pig, so don't eat pigs. Don't right, right, right. like don't make ostrich noises, so don't eat ostriches. <laughs> you know, like that whole thing. <laughs> right, right, right. Then then uh you've already used this word once in this podcast is oh, they're arbitrary. They mean nothing. Right. And God just said them. Yeah. And that can be viewed positively or negatively. Right. Like he just said them, obey them. Right? right. Or I don't know. Even when just you there. don't understand, it, it goes back to what we talked used, about like, this. Yes. Even if you don't understand why God commands something, will you trust Him when right. He says it? Uh, another interesting one I read was it's to limit death. And so it's kind of like to to reunify with Eden. Right. And it's like uh, don't just kill everything. It's it, it, and it's also to limit like game hunting and stuff oh, like that. It's okay. really really weird one. And then there's like social reasons. Like certain ones were socially unacceptable by their neighbors or whatever it was to make them stand out for social reasons yada yada okay. yada okay i don't maybe there's bits and pieces of these that matter it's part of it's like this is a culture that's thousands of years old it's really hard so some of those things may be true right and maybe innovations for the time but we probably don't have access to enough information to find that besides that we don't need we don't necessarily need, no. all this the text gives us the reason for all these food laws it's to be holy yes like god is holy that's right to be and unique so, like yes. god is unique and so the real reason why why god chose these animals and not those animals right is the same reason why he chose Israel and not the other nations. He says in verse 47, to make a distinction. That's right. And if you go back to our Exodus podcast, we talk about this language, which is used all over Exodus. I think in first time in, is in chapter 12, mm. where, you know, uh, the, Passover, the Passover. Oh, right. Right. Yep. And God makes distinctions between people, not because of something inherent in them, but because he's... He's just done it, right? To, which kind of goes back to the arbitrary thing, but not necessarily. It's not arbitrary at all. It's, it's, it's deliberate decision. Is that God? God didn't spin a roulette wheel and the ball landed on Israel. <laughs> like God said, Israel. And right. whenever He asked for a reason, He said, "Because I chose." And the the best answer we can get out of Him is out of, is in Deuteronomy. I chose you because you're the weakest, right, and the smallest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, anyway, so why did God choose some animals and not un- other animals? It's to show that He makes decisions on what is clean and what is unclean. And He has called Israel and said, "You're clean. You're mine. I've chosen you." And in order to just highlight that, I'm going to choose your diet as well. And yeah. these things are yours because I've said they're yours for no other reason. You just need to trust that these are the things that I've said are good. So it's like constant obedience, right? Just right. God has said it, so we obey it. Um, everything you put to your lips, everything that comes into your mouth, is it communicates the uniqueness of your God. That's it. The uniqueness of your salvation yes. and the uniqueness of you as a people. Right. Every time you eat, you should be you should be going like, man, why are we eating this? Well, it's because God said, God chose it. And well, I mean, he, he says it us. because I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Right. Every time you eat cow instead of pork, because God brought us out of the land of Egypt. Right. Why am I eating this bird and not that bird? Because God brought us out of the land of Egypt. You're preaching yourself the, the, the early gospel yeah, every time you eat. You're reliving the Exodus story right. every time you're eating, yep. eating. And so the reason why we know this is the main way to understand this text is because of the way Jesus and the apostles handled it in the New Testament. Yeah, so the first place we see this is in Mark 7. Well, okay, yep. it happens in Matthew 2, but Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees over and over again about what constitutes true holiness. Mm. So in Mark 7, all these Pharisees are arguing about proper hand-washing technique, proper etiquette when washing bowls and whatever else. And Jesus, and they're coming to Jesus' disciples and accusing them of not following the tradition of their fathers and being unclean, not able, not true disciples like they are. Right. And Jesus responds by saying, essentially, you've neglected the law. He talks about this whole Corbin thing, which we don't have time to go into, but he basically says, you're actually breaking the law by adding all these traditions of men to it. And then he says this, about what defiles a person. He says, hear me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he entered into the house and left the people, the disciples were confused. And they asked about that parable. And he said to them, 
then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters into his heart, but his stomach, and then it's expelled? Thus, he declared, all foods clean. (laughs) And then you're like, wait, wait, how did you make that? Did he? (laughs) How did you make that leap? And so the point is, is the point that we've been making. What are the food laws about? They're about holiness. Yes. They're about being God's unique people. And what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, God's being God's unique people begins in your heart. Right. The most foundational aspect of being about God's people is not just honoring him with your lips by what food touches your lips, yes. but what comes from your heart. And so Jesus here is reinterpreting the heart of the law for a new context. That's what he's doing. And so, so that's what that's Jesus. That's that's it. Yeah, he's saying. Yeah, he's saying that like you, you think that you're you're made holy by what you do, but you're not. You're made holy by who I've said that you are, by what I do. And so, um, and then we, we and then we see. Okay, so then why were those food laws there, right? Like why were they there? And we see then in Acts nine and ten why they were there. So in Acts nine and ten, um, we it's this famous story of Peter being called to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and um, he's just chilling, praying in his house, and all of a sudden he sees this crazy vision, and he sees this sheet from heaven drop down, and in it is every single kind of animal, both clean and unclean. Rise, Peter. Right. Kill, kill and, and eat. <laughs> Best verse ever. Uh, rise, Peter. Kill and eat. And he's like, by no means, Lord. Yeah. I I've never eaten anything unclean. And it's like, um, have you not read Mark seven? You know. It's like, Right, right, right. <laughs> like, uh, but anyway, he's like, and then Jesus, and then Jesus rebukes him, and he says, "Don't call anything I've said as clean unclean. Don't you right. don't do that." And, and I think he's referring to Mark chapter seven. He is, and when he's talking to the Pharisees, it's That's not right. about what comes into your body; yep. it's what comes out of your heart. Yep. But there's a further point to be made here. Right. So he has this vision, and I, I don't think Peter knows what to do with it yet. He's like, "So is this just about diet? I can like I can right. eat pig now." Right. And so all of a sudden, he's woken up out of this vision by a knock at the door. And there's this knock at the door, and these people are there, and they're saying, "Hey, we've been told by our master because, like, we had a visitation from God that you are Peter, and you would be in this house, and you have to come with us and preach us the gospel." So Peter goes with them, and he goes, and he, he realizes that they're Gentiles, and so he right. preaches the, the gospel to them, and the Holy Spirit falls on them, like it did in Acts two in Jerusalem, like it did um, in Samaria, right, with Philip, yep. and yep, now yep, it's happen- yep. and now it's happened again in the Gentiles, and so he's saying, "Oh man." The promise isn't just for the Jews or even right. for like the half Jews in Samaria. It's for the straight up Gentiles. Yeah. And I thought they were unclean. Right. And then he's like, oh, I get it. Don't call anything I've made clean unclean. This is about Jews and Gentiles. This is about the distinction. So what he's saying. In yep. Peter's mind, he had conflated the whole, the food laws and cast that onto people. That's right. The, these foods are unclean, Yep. those people are unclean. Right. These foods are clean, therefore I'm clean. That's right. And that was a category mistake. That's right, because he was saying, oh, Gentiles eat pigs, so they're unclean, yes. right? And they're unclean also because they're unchosen. They're not right. the people of God. The Holy Spirit won't fall on them. And, and so what, what God is saying is, these clean and unclean distinctions of food that we see here in Leviticus 11 is a foreshadowing of of like who's chosen and who's unchosen. So like right now there's a distinction. It's Israel. Right. Right. But when the new covenant comes, it's for all nations. And so it's it's stopped and switched to don't call any food unclean right. so that we can see very viscerally in like just what we eat right. that everyone is allowed to come into the household of God. So this next section probably has just this pastoral weight on it. It's yeah. one of these commands that a lot of people point to. And even I read, I'm like, this feels like it's degrading to women or makes it harder for women to access and be part of God's kingdom and God's presence. And essentially, it says that when a woman is pregnant and has a boy, she has 33 days of uh, uncleanliness. Right. There's, there's the first seven. There's the first seven. And then an extra 33. Yeah. On the seven, there's seven days. On the eighth day, they circumcise the boy. Right. And there's 33 days. And then for um, a, a female, a female, a daughter. it's twice that. Right. 66 days. After the seven, then there's twice as long to wait until you can be ritually clean again. Yes. And then you make a sacrifice and then you're clean. Yep. Right. And so why this longer time for the girl than the boy? I think it's 
less of a devaluing of the woman or a further ostracizing of the woman, but an honoring of the woman. Okay. Because I think the woman, when she bears a woman, is producing a double amount of life. And by virtue of a double amount of life, a double amount of death. Because when she bears a daughter, that daughter too will be able to birth children, the Lord willing. Right. And so one day she will also have this type of ritual uncleanliness that is in here. So I think what the mother is doing is she is not just um, cleaning herself for her own uncleanliness. Mm -hmm. She's actually taking her daughter's uncleanliness on her as well. Yes. And cleansing her as well. Yeah. So I think it's a very, it's it's honoring the fact that women are the producers of life and it's giving women this redemptive role and also makes them kind of like priests in this yeah. one sense. It like it gives them this redemptive role in their daughter's uh, purity. Right. And I think that's powerful, but it's also counterintuitive <laughs> to the way that I, I at least I read on the surface most times. Right, because what it looks like is happening is boys make you a little unclean. Girls make you a lot unclean. Right. And so it takes longer to clean up. But what you're actually supposed to see here is most likely... Um, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, because a woman, uh, even during her um, menstruation period, which we'll read about, I think, in chapter 15, is that they become unclean during that part as well, right? Right. Um, and they have to take some time away uh, from being able to go into God's presence. And so they're saying when you bear a, a daughter, she will have those periods as well, uh, in two senses. And you are bearing that weight for her early on. And yeah, yeah it is. And so you kind of have to, read it the way it's trying to get you to read it and not projecting um, our own like sensitivities towards right. gender roles. It's just saying like, um, you know, th- they will have future periods of uncleanliness, bear some of that now. And so like we're, you're allowing that, that, that mom yeah. to be in that redemptive role for that daughter. And I also think you're seeing some, uh, the man and the woman, the son and the daughter also operating kind of the two sides of, of redemptive coin. So you have the you have the boy who seven days after he's born, um, and on on the eighth day is circumcised. So we're, let's go back to creation. There's seven days of creation, mm-hmm. and on the eighth day begins life in the world. So the boy is circumcised on the eighth day to mark the beginning of life in the covenant community. Right. Right. Yes. And the woman has an additional. So like so one. That's kind of traumatic for you know. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a big deal. Circumcision right. is not like. It's a painful thing for the child. Right. And it's not great for the parents watching necessarily, right. you know. And then for the woman, she's also part of redeeming mm-hmm. the world. She is... Um, it's through Eve that the Messiah will come. It's she, through yeah, Eve the Messiah. Eve is the one given the promise. Right. So yeah. you have this sense of like the man representing this kind of creator type of role, mm-hmm. this worker role, this new creation type of role. And the woman as the one who is giving birth to new life, but also bearing the penalty of death for that new life. Right. And what's cool, too, is what I was thinking is um, additional atonement has to be made for both children. For the for the son, he has to be circumcised. Blood is spilt. This yeah. time is taken. And um, that is kind of the remaining 33 days, if you will. Right? Yeah. That's the extra that yeah. has to be done. Well, the girl doesn't have to be circumcised. She doesn't have to go through an extra step. And so for her, her redemption is an additional 33 days. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily like a, a like a, an either or, a, a worse or better. We're saying like both have to go through an additional period of atonement for that child. One is done with the mother bearing the bearing the solitude right. and the and the and the patience and the exclusion and the waiting before she can go back in the temple of the Lord. Right. For the son, there's a sacrifice of foreskin. Right. And it's marking that off. And both have to do with this reproductive promise right. that leads to the Messiah. Yeah. And who will ultimately be the one who is that mother who bears the the iniquity of her daughter, you know, right. and who atones why, for her daughter. And why do these exist? Because God saved them out of the land of Egypt. Right. Men are going to be circumcised to remember that fact, and women are going to wait an, an additional 33 days. Yes. It's a way for men and women in the birth of a child to remember God's previous saving action. Okay, so now we're into chapters 13 and 14, which talk about the leopards. (laughs) 
just go back. I can't. I can't. <laughs> the leopards. <laughs> the leopards. You should go back. You should just count the number of times we say leopards yes. instead of lepers, and yeah. you'll never know. You'll you, ne- might, yeah. you might know. Yeah. Send us the exact number, and we'll send you <laughs> we'll a prize. Send you a prize. <laughs> uh, it, but we're talking about the, the lepers, and, and like a note about this is the, like the, wor- the word leper is is uh, kind of a come, comes from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, which was done uh, later. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, he, I think it's lepra is the word he used. It just means skin condition. It's a skin condition. Yeah. So it's it's, it's, it's a variety of skin we conditions. Should, we should not think of this as what we would call leprosy today as a medical thing. Right. It's not the same thing. It, this pr- is a, it included leprosy. It included it, but yeah. it is a wide variety. And you, you can just see that from the different types of skin disease that are talked about. And that yeah. the same word is used for like... Uh, mold like in your mold house. in your plaster yeah right and so it cannot be the same thing and so we should not try to conflate those two it's infectious diseases that's, infectious diseases that's what yeah. we're talking yes. about yes and so um it has to do with the skin the hair the beard the house the, the like even your clothes it can it and can so be in your clothes if yeah. we put it in the category of infectious diseases yeah. or pollution or germs like okay we've already talked about how what we eat how we're born and now we're talking about how we're healed okay like yeah. we're talking about the medical profession, the fact that God saved you from the land of Israel, you can be holy in the way that you practice a version of medicine mm. a thousand years ago. Like that's what's happening right now. Do this test, do this test, do this test, wait this many days, put them in quarantine for this many days. We're doing all this to be holy like God is holy. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about each of these three. So it talks about people, right? Yes. Uh, clothing and houses. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And basically, it, it, it feels really redundant and specific when you're reading through it. It does. And so uh, basically you're, what's happening is it's like uh, whenever a, a leprous disease is spotted in a person, a piece of clothing, or a home, the priest is brought out to examine it and basically run it through a rubric here given by God. If it has these signs, it's a leprous disease. Right. If it has these signs, it's not. Or maybe wait seven days and see if it gets better or yeah, worse. It looks like it might be wait seven days. That's right. And then if he comes back and says, okay, it's clean, go and offer a sacrifice and you're clean. Right. Um, yes. Okay. And so um, that, that's that's basically the layout of this part of the text. And so um, one, one, like, and you've hinted at the other the other piece, all of these end in one or, one or two ways, right? If the leprosy doesn't clean up, the person is set outside the camp, mm-hmm. the clothing is destroyed, the house is torn down. Yeah, right? verse 45 is kind of like the emotional heart of it. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip, which, I, like, with a mustache? Like, what does he mean? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't that? look that up. Um, and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Right. And so, um, and then the opposite is if, if you are cleaned, if you're healed, then you can be made ritually pure again. You can be made clean. So it's not only that you are healed physically, it's that then you must actually become ritually clean again. And that's when you would go and offer the sacrifices right. uh, to then basically make atonement for your uncleanliness so that you can be back in God's holy presence. Right. I thought it was so interesting here, too. I mean, so interesting. They had, like, two birds, and one was killed and used to cleanse, and the other one was let go and put out back in the wilderness. So that was just a strange little detail Oh yeah. here. Well, it's going to open a can of worms. <laughs> but we can talk about a lot of that on the Day of Atonement. Yeah, because it comes back. It comes back. That whole idea back. comes back. So... Put a pin in that, and everyone get excited for the Day of Atonement. Oh, it's that's next week, isn't it? It's next oh, week. Oh, well, there you go. You won't have to wait long. <laughs> so I'd say, wait, that's chapter sixteen. Um, so one thing that yeah. So one thing that confused me here initially, but I think it's been cleared up now. Like I felt like the first time I heard guilt offerings and sin offerings need to be offered were here. Yeah. For lepers, but I thought this was had didn't have to do with <sighs> um, yeah. uh, guilt and sin. Yeah. But we've already talked about this in the sense like. Sickness is part of living in a world yes. not under God's, not being not being in Eden. Sickness is a part of not being in Eden. Right. Yes. Right. And, and we're talking about not necessarily active sin, right? And so um, even Jesus kind of ran into this. And, you know, it's talked about in Job, this idea like, okay, so who sinned that this disease fell on you? And it's like, wrong question. That's not a, that's not right. a good question. Yeah. It's 
you live in a sinful world, and so there is disease. Yeah, it's not an every leper was um uh, like was struck struck that way because of a specific sin. And so these sacrifices then point to the fact that there that sacrifice will hopefully be the way in which we are cleaned. Yes. The way the world will get cleaned up again is through sacrifice. Right. Like that's the that's that's the pattern. Like yep. the cosmos itself, our bodies, the foods that we eat, uh the our medical practices, they will be made clean mm. by offerings and sacrifices. Yeah. It also shows that there is kind of a symbolism in sickness that, um, you know, we think about sickness and it just kind of terminates in itself. It's like, right. it's so bad, you know, cancer and all this yeah. stuff is horrible. Uh, disease is not part of Eden. It's not part of heaven. Um, and so, but what we're supposed to see here in the linking of physical disease and spiritual uncleanliness or ritual impurity is that the sickness that is in our bodies is an indication of the sickness that is in our world, right? Sickness yeah. in our bodies is a is a visible, visceral picture of how broken and unclean right. and messed up and ill our world is. Yeah, and so I just think that that, that, so that that's of, interesting. And part of the gospel story isn't yes. just that we're saved to live with Jesus, which is the best news. Yes. But part of the gospel is that our world will be remade. Right. That we'll live on this earth and it'll be perfect. Our relationship with animals, with the the ecosystem with the planet, with each other, with our bodies will mm -hmm. all be made new and none of this will exist again. That's right. Okay. And, yeah. And so Jesus spent a lot of time with leopards. So many leopards. <laughs> Man, I was so encouraged as I was reading through these laws. I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You texted it's me. all Jesus. And you were like, I'm reading about the leopards in... I just keep saying leopards. It's so much fun. I can't. I can't. Stop. Anyway, you're like I keep reading about the le about the lepers in Leviticus, and I just keep worshiping. And I was like, that's a weird text. So, <laughs> so, so explain he, yourself. And he left it unread and I, unresponded to. I saw, I, it popped up on my phone. I read it, and then I was like, I'm not responding. I'm not responding to this. <laughs> so, so why were you worshiping while reading about the lepers? Because if you think you have leprosy, you call the priest over and they run some tests and then you're isolated for seven days. And if it's proved you're clean, you go back to the priest yeah. and then they declare you clean and you offer sacrifices. Okay. So in uh, all throughout uh, the gospels in mm -hmm. Luke 5, Matthew 8, Mark 1, yep. Jesus meets a leper and each time he comes to him and he says, now go and offer the sacrifice to the priest. That's right. So that means that Jesus was assuming he was a priest. What? Because he, Jesus oh, was assuming. Oh, because he was able to call him clean. clean right. That's the, that's the priest's job. That's the priest's job. You don't have the authority and to do that, And he didn't have Jesus? to wait seven days. Oh. Why he didn't have to wait seven days? Because seven days is the dawning, is the, the framework for creation. Oh, and he made a new creation he right there. He made a new creation oh. right there. Oh, that's cool. So, so Jesus, <laughs> acting like the priest, prays for the man heals him, does a work of new creation in him, yeah. restores him to his pro the way he was before, yeah. announces him clean and says, go and offer the, the sacrifice you're supposed to at the other guy. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's really cool. Isn't that amazing? And what's also really amazing about it is Jesus heals him physically, which is the miracle. And a lot of us get hung up on the miracle, right? And it's good. And God still heals today. And like, we see that, but um, <laughs> what Jesus continues to do afterwards is also so important. He says, okay, now you need to make sure that you're ritually pure too. And so what's, what's amazing about the gospel is that God is actively present today, bringing his kingdom, healing us um, whenever he, whenever he wants to in his mercy to heal our bodies physically. But the better news is that, that, um, that deeper thing in the world that sickness pointed mm -hmm. to, right? That yeah. illness, that brokenness yep, yep, yep. in the world. Jesus heals the deeper sickness, right? He heals the actual brokenness in the world. He makes us so ritually pure that though we were like our, our skin was breaking out in boils and we had to run around yelling unclean because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we are able to walk boldly yeah. into the presence of God because the sacrifice has been made for us. You got there too quick. Oh, I'm too excited, though. You're too excited. <laughs> you got me excited. You, I got you excited. So when Jesus heals leper in Mark yeah. 1, so what do we read here in Leviticus uh, 45? That they have to be outside the camp right. and announce unclean, oh, unclean. Yeah. Mark 1, Jesus goes to a leper. He touches him, which he's not supposed to do. He heals them, and he says, don't tell anybody what right. you're supposed to do. And then he says, but go offer the sacrifice. Yes. So what happens is the leper goes to the temple of the Lord, 
offers the sacrifice, begins announcing all to all these people that God is here. Yeah. And then what, what the text says, and then Jesus went to the desolate place. Oh, he went outside the camp for him. He traded places with him. Oh. And so, and, and it tells us in multiple other places that he goes out to, play, to pray, right. but like he trades places wow. with the person. And in the, in the story of Mark, there's the paralytic that comes and Levi that comes after him. Yeah. All these people are on the outside and we're told over and over again that the way that Jesus is going to save sinners, he's going to heal the paralytic is by trading places with them. He'll become paralyzed on the cross right. and he'll become sin so that that sin may yeah. be passed off of and him. And Jesus was crucified outside the city. Yes, right. that's exactly right. Yeah, And so I think you're right when you say there's this symbolism. So like there is a connection between sin personal and sin cosmic. And yeah. I think leprosy acts kind of like that kind of fulcrum or that lever for that kind of turn in yeah. the Gospels and here in the in the Leviticus. Right. And what, what else is really cool is that uh, the, the, there's like some irony here because, um, you know, when you were a leper, you could not come into the presence of God. You were unclean visibly. Like it was really clear that you were unclean. But the amazing reversal here is that the presence of God comes out from the cosmic tabernacle, right? In Jesus Christ, he became flesh out of heaven and and came to the leprous person, the unclean person, and cleaned them up so that they could then come into the presence of yeah. God. Like where, Like the person that wasn't allowed to come into the tabernacle the tabernacle comes to them. Like, I just think that's, that's so cool, cool. that reversal cool. that happens Right, there. after being alone, I mm. thought that was so fascinating that Leviticus, like, calls out that feeling, not just, like, a fact, they will be alone. Right. But, like, they call it out, like, yeah. they will be alone. They will mm. be lonely. Yeah. They will be on the outside. And for the Lord, the presence of the Lord to come and meet them, so it's just a profound symbol of grace. It is. This is the way the Lord saved you out of the, ha- of the land of Egypt by bringing you out with a strong hand and a strong arm. And he's doing this again in the medical codes of the ancient Hebrew community. Okay, so um, I always like to end on a high note and, you know, in ending with my favorite topics. Semen. Semen. <laughs> Bodily, Bodily discharges. discharges. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very comforting chapter to Menstruation. read. Menstruation. It doesn't make, it doesn't have a lot of words in it that make me cringe. It's fine. Um, yep. So uh, the last section in these cleanliness codes is about bodily discharges. So Seth, since you just love saying all these words, apparently. Uh, I just I'm a youth to, pastor. You're a youth pastor. So I, I say these as part of gaining an audience. It's <laughs> <That's> true. So <laughs> what are some of the bodily discharges that it talks about? I've here? already named them all. Oh, is that it? I, well, no, there's some more. There's more. <laughs> there's like various <laughs> discharges that are unnamed and just because they come out of you. Right. Like leakage. Leakage. Things like That's this. That's a good word. Man, so many good words. So many good words. Right. So there's like, yeah, there's whenever you have like um, an emission of semen, it talks about whether in like in sex or accidentally or right. whatever, then you're at night and you're unclean for just the night. The night. Yeah. You yeah, just yeah, yeah. go to bed and you wake up and you're clean. Yep. Is that it? Do you have That's to? It. Yeah. I think you might have to. Oh, sorry. Like, you might just have to more wash or something. Or I think you have to wash. Yeah. Pretty much everybody has to wash. You have to wash. But yeah, it's like rinse in water, rinse in water. Rinse but you just water. do that at home. Yep. Yeah, so it's like take a shower, go to bed, wake up. You'll be fine. And you're fine. And for women, when they have their periods, right. for the duration of their period, they're yep. unclean. And then the evening of the last night of their period, mm-hmm. they're clean they, again. They take a shower and wake they're up clean. and they're clean. Yeah. Yep. And then there's one final one, right? Yeah, This you probably know this woman as the woman with a bodily discharge, so the issue of blood in uh, Matthew 9. But here, if you a woman is bleeding... Uh, f- that's not connected to her period. Right. She, for however long she's bleeding, she's unclean. And then once the bleeding stops, she waits seven days. And then on the eighth day, she's clean again. This creation, new creation thing happening. Right. And then she's clean after she offers the appropriate sacrifice. Okay. So, I mean, what are we supposed to see in these in these bodily discharges? I mean, is it just the, the fact that like, even just being a person, <laughs> you, you ooze uncleanliness. Is that yeah. the idea here? It says, verse 31, thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their their uncleanliness, lest they die in their uncleanliness by defiling my tabernacle that's in their midst. Right. So it's like, it goes back to what we've been saying. By existing in the world, Mm -hmm. we we just ipso facto become unclean through the normal course of life. Therefore, here is how you remember in your uncleanliness, in a world that is dying, 
the God of life who saved you out of Egypt. Right. And it's these, it's these actions, seven days of waiting, one day of waiting, showering, washing. And I mean, a lot of these things are pretty common sense. Like if something happens in the middle of the night, you take a shower right. and you're clean. Yeah. But for most guys, it doesn't go beyond that. And I think, but for Israel, it was supposed to be a remembrance of the fact that they had been saved by God from death. This is a symbol of new life in God's created world, and he is going to remake it. And even if it's related to sickness, like there's a whole, we didn't even talk about the category mm-hmm. of bodily discharges, not related to like physical things, but like right. you're hurting or you're a pus or something, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, like you take a shower, you wash off, you have a sacrifice seven days, one day, you're fine yep. again. All that's happening here. So I think it's the same thing we've been seeing. Like how does living life in a fallen world, in a broken world, bring us back to the God of life mm. through these actions. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, you keep talking about the seven days and then the eighth day you're clean. Yeah. It's just, it sounds like it's, it's all pointing towards like an expectation, right? That one day there will be a final Sabbath rest and you'll wake up on the other side of it and everything will be clean. That's why Jesus is called the Lord of the Sabbath so many mm. times. And then in Matthew nine, when this woman with the yeah, issue yeah, of yeah. blood comes, like what happens? She's been bleeding for all this time. Years, she, isn't it? Years, 12 years. Oh my goodness. And she touches Jesus and the seven days of new creation are done in her immediately. Yeah. She's healed. Your faith has made you well. Right. Again, what is the book of Leviticus about? It is not about doing a list of laws to get back into God's good graces. Right. It is about trusting the God that saved you. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made <laughs> you well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, this this is a lot. It's a lot. This is a lot. This was helpful for me. It was helpful for me too. I feel I, like ninety-eight percent of this podcast is just me helping myself <laughs> understand know. the Bible better. No, it's so true. <laughs> I'll go back and listen to our own podcast, and I'm just like, oh yeah, oh that's, oh, that's called, helpful. That's called narcissism, is it? Yeah, I think it makes me feel more stupid that I <laughs> forgot already. Uh, I don't feel very narcissistic when I do it. It's kind no. of humbling. The uh, the best narcissists never do. Oh, that's good. I've hidden it from myself. You have. Well, well, that's great. That's a great segue. Good night. Nothing. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so we, we've talked a lot about um, being clean, being made clean. Um, the the biggest like atonement, cleanliness, getting into God's presence thing that's that's going to happen in in the whole Old Testament happens in Leviticus 16. It is the yeah. high point of the entire Torah. It's the day of atonement. It's what Je- was on Jesus's lips whenever he came, uh, like proclaiming the day of the Lord's favor. Like, right. this is this is a huge and thing. The structure of the book: we had offerings, right. priests, uh, purity, purity. And on the backside of the day of atonement, we're going to have purity, purity priests, priests, offerings. offerings. Yep. So it's the high point, literally. High point. Yep. And literarily. Yes. Yes. And so um, we we really hope you'll join us again uh, next week for the Day of Atonement. It's going to be fantastic. Give you an update on my dental uncleanliness. And we'll see what's going on with Seth's Seth's dental uncleanliness. Uh, I know you'll be wrapped with anticipation. (laughs) Uh, Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate all of you, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com. Spoken Gospel.